It's motherfucking stuck. It's your girl Chanel creating. So excited. I cannot believe we are here, y'all. This is the final part of the last episode of Baby Babe, the podcast by Chanel Creating. Can't fucking believe it. We are here. We're here. Um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a friend. Um, I have enjoyed interacting with y'all, meeting you guys, having you guys here. Me and my guests this season it has been an amazing journey. And I just want to say thank you to you guys for listening. Like this has been a blast. I have some more notes to drop in with throughout this episode. So I'm going to mix them in so they don't get too long. But the most important thing I can say is Thank you. Okay, about this episode. As you all know, we have the amazing Ray Sani on this episode. We had an amazing time talking. We had to cut out a lot of gossiping and talking about our personal lives. We hope you enjoyed the takes. I'm hoping to work with Ray again. Wanted to um, have another moment of transparency here. I told you guys all of the failures that have occurred throughout this season, including the fact that I split this episode up wrong, thinking that I had more content on the back end than I actually ended up recording. So you may notice that this episode is re-swizzled a little bit and it's and you might hear some stuff you already heard is because we put it back together and cut it a little bit closer to the half so i wanted to apologize for that hopefully that's not too fucking annoying to hear the same thing over and over again but this way when people in the future when you tell your friends the episode will make more sense when they hear the two parts together so you are still getting some new content from ray and i but it's going to be um if you thought that because you got two hours in the first episode you're going to get two in the second episode not quite so we're gonna figure that out thank you thank you thank you sasha for um never uh cussing me out and telling me you're you quit so um enjoy this finale episode of the finale of baby babe the podcast by chanel creating baby babe well i'm gonna have to workshop this i will find uh the least problematic man in hollywood okay. and then okay. we will figure out the casting because okay. i think that that is okay. an amazing challenge right like because like truly i've been trying to think about that because i was like well um th- they had a queer season of are you the one and i didn't watch it because again i don't like the dating shows but i was mm-hmm. like oh that might be interesting because more people would have more access to stuff as opposed to like it being mm-hmm. this the dynamic only goes one one way, right? You know. I do love the idea of it being a, a very queer poly house where like any hookups can happen. Like maybe everybody leaves with someone. Um, I do think that like the prop, one of the big problems that I think we saw this with, you know, Trump was you give somebody a platform, they're going to come into people's homes and people will automatically connect in some way. Mm-hmm. So I do think that like I, I think overall producers need to start being or whoever. I don't know if it's everything's on producers, showrunners 
and show creators need to start thinking about like, do we do the due diligence of who we're going to present to America? Oh yeah, knowing how America does with the people. You know what I mean? Has had that problem too many times recently, and I'm just like, are you guys not vetting these people? Do you know how easy it is to Google somebody? Like, and you know how easy it is to be like, oh, I like this girl. She's great. Um, she's probably been on Twitter since she was 12. So let me just <laughs> yeah. make sure. And then have an intern yeah. look up. Yeah. The first thing I did when I got verified on Twitter was Twitter search my name and every slur that I could think of. <laughs> and there wasn't a lot. I just say nigga a lot. But, just don't check. but, right, but you right, exactly. You know, and so like it just seems so crazy to me that you wouldn't just check the paper trail on the cast. The, you know, and you know there is one because kids born after 2000 don't know how to shut the fuck up. And they're still very racist. It's it's mind-boggling yeah. how this new generation is supposed to be all lovey-dovey and they're still really problematic. They're also loud and wrong. Like, this, the problem with these younger kids is that they have TikToks to be able to get on it and say anything and not validate it. Like, I, I thought about this the other day for no reason. I don't know if you saw this boy who went viral because when the Miles Morales, like the new Spider-Man came out, he's like afro Latin. You know, and, you're speaking a whole different language than I speak. Oh, you, okay, just, you, just, you, you went Spider-Man, you went Miles Morales, and that's the... My brain shut off. My brain went, <laughs> okay. okay. It was like Donald Glover thing with Miles Morales. You're like, right, after that, you're done. No, okay, I can make this... This is still relatable. So, they, you know, like, how they always just do new Spider-Mans, and then Spider-Man yeah. is like a different person. So, they have a cartoon one that won awards, and the the Spider-Man was Miles Morales. Is that the Into the Dark or whatever exactly. one? I've heard people talk about it. Right, and Miles himself is Afro-Latin. Like, he has both. Okay. So, this lighter skin boy with curly hair got on the TikTok and it went viral because he was saying like, you know, I'm Afro-Latin and I don't really feel like Miles being dark-skinned represents me and I'm just tired. Oh. Yes, and I'm just hey, not tired. Of- come on, come on, come on. You're going to have to give me a minute. You're going to have to give me a minute. <laughs> it gets worse. <laughs> Wait, you're going to have to give me a minute. Well, you have to give me a minute. Wait a second. Wait, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. So, a mestizo person, a mestizo person who claims Afro Latino as part of his heritage, right, is saying that the af- there's too much Afro in Afro Latino. Is that what you? Is that Like, so he looks like somebody like Candy Muse on Drag Race. He's gonna be like that color with curly hair and say that Miles Morales is too dark. So yeah, that sounds crazy. Yeah, but then the other side was he said and I don't see us often and that confused me personally light light skinned people (laughs) and I have eyes because I said that's all on black shows all you see is light skinned people on white shows all you see is light skinned people I was was confused I mean so my you'll see a dark skinned man on TV but uh, you won't see a dark skinned woman Uh, but you'll see a dark skinned man but generally speaking to be attractive in the like oh my god dreamy kind of way that they you got to be Halle Berry they're not gonna do that for Viola Davis or something 
But the boys, I mean, I, I do think there's still a range that you see with the boys. And so the point was that, like, this little boy looked like quintessential, like, you know, light-skinned Puerto Rican Oh, boy. the way that there's, like, a fetishization of mixed-looking people. I mean, like, oh, I'm sorry, it doesn't represent us. It's like, well, you're overrepresented a little bit in these spaces anyway. Right. So he just basically goes on to say, hey, guys, I don't know if you're casting, but if you want me, I'll be oh. And I'll go to the gym every day, and I and I was just like, and that's why I went viral because people were like, "Nigga, what what planet are you living on?" And and the reason I bring them up is because to say like this generation will get on with all seriousness, no back down, and say there's not enough light skinned people who look like me, so cast. And it's like, well, what I noticed, I'm gonna have such a boomer comment, even (laughs) though I'm a boomer millennial. Um, I was born in '87, but it's gonna sound like I was born in '67. Um, but like there is a lot of what I've observed in this like internet age with like a lot of young kids is like because they have had access to social justice mm-hmm. language probably their whole lives or more of their lives than people like me they know how to frame a personal gripe as a societal issue and get people on board with it and it'll go viral because they hit the buzzwords so you can say representation I don't see me in something and then obviously it's not I don't see people like me it means I don't see me literally yeah. me in your thing put me dog. in your thing but you've got people now behind you on a groundswell because you made it sound like you was talking about them too it's so infuriating it's yeah infuriating. well to, in, to, in fairness in the internet I think you went viral because people were like what in the actual fuck is he okay, talking good. about yeah it wasn't a like retweet him to get to the casting director okay. it was like these kids oh, no, are but going I just, to internet mean, <laughs> well, I just mean like um, you know just just like the way you were saying like they didn't they have no back down and I was saying like the no back down comes from like learning the language to get like the crowd on your side like you back down when you realize you're wrong or you're being like shouted down and I feel like if you've learned how to frame things it's much easier to avoid the getting shouted down no you're I mean you have you're making amazing points today like for for real because I do think that like you said they use a language in a really in a way that I feel is manipulative you know and I yes there's always it'll be like it'll be like um it'll be like oh my god for example on like summer house like i was on reddit the other day and there were there were these people that were like i've been listening to Paige and hannah do podcasts and it's like hannah's clearly in the wrong and Paige is like still by her side so does Paige have a, a narcissistic personality disorder or something <laughs> and i was just like how did we leap from a girl being friends with an asshole to like diagnosing her and i was just like oh no we like people are so used to words of like um Words that we had to teach ourselves to be empathetic to one another, you know, like we used to have really ableist language. So now we wanted to inform everybody so that we aren't ableist to people anymore. But that doesn't mean now we're all equipped enough to diagnose somebody as mentally ill to excuse bad behavior and then talk about it on Reddit. It's like, no, you're using words that you have access to because we're trying to be kinder, not for you to 
weaponize them against somebody for whatever personal reasons. It's like, no, Paige doesn't have narcissistic personality disorder. Maybe she does. I'm not qualified to say that. She's just being yeah. friends with an actor on TV. Calm down. And I feel like that happened entirely too much. Sure, to be like, sure. You know, no. like if we flavor of love in 2021, I'm sure we would have think piece upon think piece upon think piece about what's wrong with everybody. Yeah, exactly. And I don't like that. When it comes to like the overall conversations and like using these words, I think I'm really waiting for the when everybody realizes there's a step two. Because I feel like self-care and language is very much like avoid, leave, label, move away. And it's like nobody's learned how to come back from that and like actually still form community or how to like get over the fact that somebody, yeah, like how do you move forward? Because there's a big like, I have to take care of myself energy. Okay, but what's next? Right. Self-care language often feels like to me, um, it feels like to me telling your friends, enable my toxic behavior or I leave. It's like mm-hmm. it's like self-care and then there is a abusing other people at the expense of mm-hmm. your desire. Like, well, I know that we can overcorrect, but we also over overcorrected. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm okay with an overcorrection sometimes if the if the wrong was so great, but we've over overcorrected in some ways, I think. Anyway, that's kind of my boomer segment. I am back to being a millennial. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely they the younger the young kids creep me into that that territory for sure. Um, okay, so so back to the reunion. Um, basically, we have so far as the women are infighting. Um, they they hate red oyster. They don't. They do this thing that I really hate, which is like when when we can all agree someone's wrong. I don't think we should let go of that. And so like they let Miss Latin get mad at red oyster and call her a weirdo. I'm like Miss Latin, you were wrong. Whatever she did, yeah, she called her ugly. Yeah, it was ugly, and that pissed me off because one, it was a lie, and two, it's like, are we like? I forgot that being prettier used to matter. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, and it still does, but like, I forgot that like people used to say like shitty things, like you're ugly, so shut up, you know, and like that, and I was just like. Wow, she like My she daughter. literally just re- reduced this woman to ugly. Therefore, her opinion mm-hmm. isn't bad. And I was genuinely astonished by that because I forgot we did that. Right? <laughs> no, for real. They it um, feel so Republican. You know it, what I mean? Like if you're not a hot girl, you can't talk. You know? <laughs> it's not cute. Yeah, I'm seeing the ugly note now. Like it's not cute at all. Well, we find out though. LOL, that Red Oyster is actually married. That was hysterical. <laughs> so genius. It all didn't matter anyway. <laughs> so that made me go, this is why the audience, this is why Red Oyster wasn't famous. Because she got exposed before we got to let the persona simmer, you know? She got exposed for being fake while sh- pointing out that people are fake. And for some reason, reality TV audiences hate someone who is fake, but also trying to expose other people for being right. fake. It's like, there's like a certain amount of fake that we sign up for, but then it's like, if you double fake us we get really mad yeah, like don't no. fake us out fake them out but let us know but if we also don't know it's kind of like if you watch Big Brother and like sometimes people will get mad
mad when they you can tell a contestant is lying in the diary room because it's like no the diary room is for us for you to tell us like mm-hmm. we're supposed to have a partnership a little bit and you are leaving us out you're supposed to be lying to them like you said you're supposed to be lying to them don't lie to me in the diary room and like finding out that she was married while she was doing all that kind of felt like lying to me in the diary room you know wow they um Heidi and Smiley come out and <laughs> and her boobs done I believe and I'm not like a big like watch for work kind of girl I just felt like her boobies were you know Andy Cohen is weirdo stuff <laughs> right which is I mean a whole other topic because <laughs> yeah because I think that for the last like, 20 years he's done and I it doesn't bother me I think but it is kind of similar where like I don't want you saying you haven't gotten work done and then judging other women's appearances I think that's kind of weird to me or don't get don't get, <laughs> I, I see what you're saying to make like for that that is for if we want a more empathetic society but I see why on a reality show if you could afford to get work done and you look better than the other girls around you why that why you would play that as a trump card it's not a good quality in a human but I see why that is like an effective argument on a reunion you know or why you think it's an effective argument on a reunion yeah, it's like you know fix, fix that face and you know that kind of stuff because it's like it's like it's like saying you don't have a good car it's like you too broke to buy titties like it feels like a a show of status almost like these days i don't know if that's the case we're hiding on the show but like it feels like a sign of you know we kind of oh, yeah. take plastic surgery very differently now too. Yeah. So like you know, Nicki Minaj spent how many years lying about that ass? You know what I mean? I don't know. I mean, and I, you bring up so many things where I'm like tangent, tangent, tangent. But no, like I, I, I don't have a. I think I, I'm in a weird space with surgery in general right now because, for one, um, BBLs are like very dangerous. And I just, oh my god, <laughs> I was just talking about this. I was just talking about this. I just found out it's one in 3,000 people can die. And I said, we are having elective procedures that kill one in 3,000 people. How's that legal? How's that legal? How's that legal? I don't understand. But everybody's success story is being put on the internet where it's like, oh, just go get it. Like, girl, like, don't even, like, yeah, you could work on yourself and all, but, like, just go get it. Like, that's kind of the, yeah. I, the attitude. And it so kind of goes, sorry to cut you off, it kind of goes um, in back into what we were just talking about with the younger kids it's like it's an over over correction right because now we're saying your body your choice and we're neglecting the fact that sometimes a choice can be a poor choice because Mm -hmm. we're trying to empower you for having them at all and Mm -hmm. it's just like no but I can make a bad decision even though you like you can encourage me to feel empowered to make decisions about my body but you should also encourage me to make good decisions Mm -hmm. about my body and it's like we need to stop celebrating decision making happening at all and start encouraging decision making in in a positive direction or a healthy yeah. direction. I'm I'm currently childless and loving it. And for in the long term, I'm like, did, that, did you used to have a child? No, meaning like oh, no babies, okay. no kids. Where I'm not a mother. Never, never had a child. 
Yeah, no, LOL. That, yeah, like, I shipped her off. She's doing all right. Yeah, no. <laughs> I gave her away. <laughs> no, no, so I'm like, I'm, I'm, you know, without kid. And I, but I feel like, okay, it is something eventually. And I think that because I'm older without a kid, I have the time to like really plan. And the longer I think about what I would want to teach a child, the more I'm like, oh, I'm going to be a weird ass granola parent. Like they won't get a phone until they're older. Yep, you're going to have the hippie. You're going to be a hippie mom. Yeah. Because I can't, because I see, I have kids in my family and I see how TV, internet influences the fuck out of them. Like they really mm-hmm. think that that's the only bodies that matter. Or they really think that like, a, like you have to wear makeup every single day to have some type of, of a successful life. There are 16 year olds with bundles, like thousand yeah. dollar lace front wigs. And it's like, I know that we want to encourage girls to like express themselves a lot, but it's like, we shouldn't be teaching teenagers that if they don't have a thousand dollar wig on, they're worthless at the same time. So it's like, it's like it's like how, how do we have like a a healthy um because i feel like even with reality tv it's like i feel like i can watch this because my parents gave me a good foundation right like i'm fully aware all the time when i'm watching the show that all of this is absurd behavior right <laughs> and i'm choosing to suspend disbelief and sometimes some people are so loathsome you can't suspend disbelief like miss latin for example called calling that woman ugly, right? You're just like, whoa, this is very out of nowhere. It just feels weird. Like, you know, it didn't feel playful or in character. It just felt like she was a dickhead in real life too. And then, but it's like, these, like I, I recently got into YouTube videos. Like I got into YouTube commentary videos and it's so wow. weird. Cause I'm like, I'm 33. King Von died in November. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, who is this King Von person? And then I found myself watching drill rap commentary videos for six months now. Now you're an expert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then, but like, so you'll be watching a YouTube video, right? And like, you'll think, Oh, this person knows exactly what they're talking about. And then it's like, because I don't know the genre i can't correct the information or hear you know if if something isn't correct right i'll hear something about something i know and i go well that's not correct and so then it's like it's in the middle of a um of a thing that sounds correct so Mm -hmm. i would just take Mm -hmm. everything and i'm just like wondering how much misinformation gets stuck in people's brains because it was like hidden in the middle of something that sounded pretty normal and so like I also think that I also think that when they made this show Flav had no idea how real like Flav had I think that if Flav was to hear this he'd be like how do you get there from me in the throne but it's like it's like everything's connected do you you know what Flav do you know the last thing the most recent thing I saw of Flav was Mm -hmm. you know We TV has love and hip hop uh, not love and hip hop excuse me growing up hip hop and there was a growing up hip hop LA and then they have one in Atlanta and now they have one in New York. The New York one only got maybe two seasons, maybe. I don't know. They had to take a hiatus. But Ja Rule and like Irv Gotti are on the New York one. The New York one is more about the parents than the kids, actually. It's very interesting. I, and so my then my mom watches all of these, so I'll dip in and out because I, as a child, knew that I was destined to marry little Romeo. So the fact that whenever you don't <laughs> Romeo have to sit, sucks. <laughs> I know. No, but it's like, but I didn't know that at 12. Like, oh, right, right. I, you know what I mean? Like, I was surprised by how much he sucked, honestly, on growing up. So he just reminds me, it, he feels like LA. an ex to me. He feels like an ex to me, so I have to check oh, it every once in a while. And God, then I keep God. going. That's hilarious. He feels like an 
like an extra bow wow kind of feels like that to me a little bit. Yeah. But so like on the New York one, they cast Flav's daughter, his daughter and two and two siblings. His daughter is Yo, I'm so behind. Oh, uh, his God. daughter Yeah. So they cast his daughter and she has a br- a younger brother who is a rapper and he's trying to make it. So that's that story. And she's the manager. And I think they have an older brother who looks exactly like Flav, who like, um, who does like something else. I can't explain it. And so actually the root, the, uh, the show is about the breakdown in their relationship because like apparently these kids grew up poor because Flav like, I guess made some money, not a lot. Right. I can't imagine in the early nineties he had, like a major deal so he like made some money probably blew through it left them on long island with their moms it was like out in vegas or like whatever doing their thing and so it's like the kids are trying to recreate like or fix their broken relationship with their dad the son is trying to be a rapper but like they are resentful of the dad because the dad doesn't want to help them but i think it's because their dad might not be able to and then and then they also think their dad's an alcoholic so it's like them trying to convince Flav that he's an alcoholic and trying to stop drinking like it's dark over there I'm not I'm not able to like because you know what I'm saying like that makes it real and I and I in my mind at the end of this episode they all go happily ever after like oh that's heartbreaking the way it's edited the music choice it's like whimsical it's silly it's light Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and it's fantastical even the lens like the soft lens and everything it just looks like it's in a different world almost mm-hmm. like in a dream and then like the way that growing up hip-hop is shot and the and the way that his kids look so regular like they don't look expensive they don't look like they spend a bunch on weaves and things like that mm-hmm. it was like a smack in the face because even Flav looks regular too mm-hmm. it was just like it was like whoa all right wow oh, yeah thank you for sharing that I mean I'm I like I told you like I have to kind of go into a space where none of this shit is real life because it is so upsetting to me like like you talked about the behavior like the fact that we know it's not okay so um I hope that gets better because you but then again like Flav didn't become a millionaire off the show either you know like you have to know that shit ran out eventually so and and I can't imagine he gets good residuals if he gets any at all and then it's like also too we didn't have the uh same ability to convert reality TV success into sustained money in the way that we do now. You know, if it's like, if I have a bad season on a TV show, I might still have enough followers to sell Instagram ads. You know, what's Flav going to do after he has bad season three? He just has to go into obscurity or then be on another reality show. Date another person, yeah. years later, you know, it's just, it also is interesting how he never Got the show that like a Rev Run get, you know what I mean? Like, all right. But then I mean, Rev Run also, I like Run DMC had money in a way that Public Enemy didn't. Right about that. And like, and and Reverend, you know, Reverend Run like was a Reverend, and so like there was like a uh, what is it? A nuclear kind of family structure that was like easy to put on TV and make a lighthearted TV show. Like, there's nothing about Flavor Flav's life 
that could have been a, a, a reality show that feels like a family sitcom. You just unlocked a memory from um, the Reverend uh, show days. So one, I, I will never forget a Christmas episode when he went to his ex-wife's house. And I don't know what part of New York it was in, but she was in this small ass house that looked like my grandma's house where it was like there was a couch sm- like smushed next to a, tr- a tree, like a Christmas tree. And it was just like so small. And I was like, no, you are not about to go back to this palatial mansion and your mm-hmm. ex-wife is in this this like regular ass mm-hmm. house so it's like and that's Angela and and Jojo and Vanessa's mom like I like I don't know how these how these divorces go they might be acrimonious and whatever but I just like can't but I'm also a woman who's female right. forward so like I just can't fathom my kids having like bedrooms the size of whole apartments where their mom lives like we're not gonna have like such a disconnect and I'm not gonna let my kids of course kids they wanna live like, with dad now cause he's yeah. gonna do yeah. and it's like and I don't want my kids also feeling like especially if I have a daughter he has a bunch of daughters he has two daughters and it's like I don't want them to feel like they're as expendable as their mom was to mm-hmm. me you know that I would be like oh you can come to this house but leave your mama there well then somebody's gonna do it to your daughter right. you know I don't right. know and this is a stray but talk about most annoying stepmoms in the history of stepmoms (laughs) she's so annoying like oh my god she's triggering (laughs) I I remember I will I will not lie I will I do remember wondering if she were stupid god forgive me but I do remember like what the high voice and and it's like yeah but she would also play dumb a little bit wouldn't she yeah I I remember but I think I have a thing against stepmoms in general because my relationship with mine isn't worthy of TV yeah so okay um okay so let's wrap this reunion up um because I think that again our conversations are much more interesting than this at this point but okay so um Goldie comes out Goldie we all know that Goldie is it Goldie's the one Goldie's that girl um she continued to do stand up after this and I think that helped her yeah she poured a little bit and then she then went and got her master's I think in social work so she's like a practicing therapist um but I think she's getting back into comedy now but didn't she have like a fall like if I remember this correctly didn't she have like a falling out with Monique I don't I, you know what I'm my charm school history is I haven't revisited it in the last 10 years so no, me I don't neither this is me like fuzzily like trying you know, to uncover a fucking yeah. memory she I just I, I do want to take a moment of transparency here so in other episodes I have mentioned that I'm trying to get someone from the cast in the show I did in fact get Goldie to have a conversation with me and then I fucked up the recording so I do want to thank her for her time <laughs> I want to say like thank you Goldie she, yeah she was a mensch and she is starting her YouTube I want to plug her real quick called Goldie with the good tea and she's also at Instagram Goldie with the IE underscore 98 so I would definitely say like chat like follow her because I think she came out she had the best edit of all time on reality TV because she she was like your friend or your cousin who like got on TV and was legitimately kind the whole time and didn't have to shake her ass either like I I loved how she would like she would like manage Flav like if Flav would try to get close she would start dancing so that he couldn't really kiss her <laughs> like yes. she, she did it very well so I um the thing that the only 
dislike I had for her appearance on the show was how like we decided that because she was sexy, she, uh, because she was funny, she wasn't sexy. You know what I mean? It was just like it was like okay, well she's funny and she doesn't present sex forward as some of these women do, but I like her. She's good TV. Let's keep her around. It felt like when you know how like in a rom com there's always like a thick black woman who is the person that the white girl bounces her ideas off of yeah it was just like that a little bit for me the thing I will say though about Goldie is I do think that Flav would have absolutely like talked up her sex appeal but she was clearly so platonic with him that it was like I I think that it's almost like he she would have been more sexualized but it was really her she opted out it was her choice yeah Yeah, she's thick as fuck like she's gorgeous yeah I remember yeah she's also like a real and I remember feeling like I don't know if it was me projecting it onto her too I could have been doing that but I just remember feeling like oh they they made her very unsexy on this show mm-hmm. no that's you know? no that's a real I think those critiques are rounded out so then we get to the whole thing we're here for which is New York and well New York and Pumpkin coming out before Hoops I'm actually gonna say I just wanna say like at the end Hoops comes out they admit they're not really together no more and Flav- it was boring yeah. I was uninterested yeah cause it's like we knew you, you I my thing I've said about Hoops on this show is she started to want to win for the sheer sake of competition. She oh, yeah. never wanted to win. And and that made me angry. So anyway. Um, oh, really? Why did that make you angry? Isn't that what everybody was, else was doing? Well, because New York wanted to win to win. And I feel like Hoops wanted to win so New York didn't win. Oh, you know I, I mean? see. I see. I see. It, okay. it was like it was more about okay. the women than it was about Flav. Whereas New York, like, even if you don't believe it's really about Flav, she won't pretend like, she won't admit I this. I feel like thing. New York would have been about Flav though if being about Flav re- was required you know right. what I'm saying like 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 if she did win I think New York would have been his girlfriend for a couple of years you know what I mean I think New York is just that type of method actress though where like yeah. she would have fallen in love with him because that yeah, was her assignment that, yeah. was job. that was the assignment exactly yeah, but no yeah. but she had a vision I, I mean like she her. had feelings for him on the show like mm-hmm. I think she willed them out of herself you know at some point like she was genuinely devastated when he didn't pick her and I don't think it was just about losing and being humiliated on TV I think she was embarrassed that a man low key sent her home for fucking him yeah <laughs> like, I mean when she was in the car that she, she liked, liked you know we we got footage of her in the car as it hit her and it was so <laughs> mean but she was like wait a minute did that really just, did that really just send me home <laughs> <laughs> like I was so there. She was like this in, in real life. In re- yeah, like I think she by that point was like, oh, this is my man. Like, okay, this is what we're doing. Right. Part of my like, this is my man. And when he wasn't her man, she was genuinely astonished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but he was never hoops his man. That's right. true. It never felt like he was hoops his man. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, yeah. So uh, they they give us some amazing amazing <laughs> clips of New York when she calls him a pack of idiot bitches, which was the other. <laughs> idea of this. I really almost titled that show this. That was the other option. <laughs> First of all, like, this woman is a genius because it isn't just that she's like strategic and she's so quick-witted and funny and like, by the time we met someone else like her, like Mimi, it was a yeah. full five years later or maybe yeah. four years later, right? No one like New York I had ever seen before. Yeah, no, Nothing. One of, one of one. 
Like, yeah. there are only two people that I see black people gift as much as yeah. Nene, it, it, and it's Tiffany. It's, it's like Beyonce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so the reality TV stars that ever, everybody uses is New York and Nene. New York that and Nene. Her sitting in those shades came from this season. Like, yes. She is sitting like this. <laughs> I love her. I love her because it's like at some point she just knew she was ours. Like, and she just knew she belonged to us and she needed to keep being her. And like, what is also so genius? I don't know if you're going to go into season two, but what's also so genius is it's so easy. It's so easy for a person like New York to overstay their welcome, to get it wrong on the second season, to like, she was so excellent on season two two and knew no don't come back for season three get your own show and then they gave her two seasons of her own show and then oh. a bunch of spinoffs after that yeah. come on New York killed it she killed it you and know, leveled up every time you have Nene and Candy I'm always talking about Atlanta I think about it all the time but like Nene and Candy fun. are beefing off camera about spinoffs that's what they beefing about about Candy's ability to to get a spinoff and Nini's inability to do so. And I was sitting here thinking about how easily New York finessed one season of Flavor of Love into right. her own show. An empire. And, like, an empire. And then now she's having a resurgence because the young kids love watching old reality TV. Mm-hmm. And then they're all standing her now. And then she's joining up with T.S. Madison a lot lately. So it's just mm-hmm. like, she's finally getting her flowers. I'm glad she, she gets, gets to it. see it. And she's she's been here long enough for reality to start to be respected as a form. So mm-hmm. she's able to still the fact that she's still present and doesn't have to like revive herself during this yeah. time. It's like, yeah, like I mean, there's no one like her. She comes out to the reunion in a black corset and a diamond choker. No, I was like, Isn't that crazy? Who gets it more than her? She's she knew and that's another thing, like seeing old school reunions versus reunions now. I mean, even like the first season of a show where now it's glammed up. We show backstage mm-hmm, at the reunion. Mm-hmm. I'm saying like, oh, mm-hmm. there's a there's a theme that all the women have to dress for. There wasn't a theme. These women, Lala's in jeans. And yeah. then, but New York, <laughs> but New York knew to come as gorgeous as she had to be. Mm-hmm. You know, she knew that your event, you come to the reunion with your revenge body and your revenge weave and your revenge. You know, she she knew that. You know, yeah, she, I mean, and I also feel like. Like, like the this unsung hero of this whole season is the state of New York because <laughs> you know what I mean. Like that's take, it takes a lifetime of training to know to be that bitch. Like you know what I mean. Like every place doesn't teach you that. So I feel like she knew without know. We know because of her, but like she knew without knowing. And so I definitely attribute that to like um, mm-hmm. just thinking about how like New Yorkers cared about fashion even when they can yeah. afford it. You know what I mean? Like it's it's an amazing thing. So New York is. A- a stunt city. It's like very weird because it's like New York is a flex but also like it's a chill flex. It's just like you're in a constant state of flex so it feels like you're not flexing. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. New York is always fresh so it doesn't feel like effort to be fresh because you was raised and trained to be fresh, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. 
I mean, it's not that different from Detroit, where I'm from. Like, it's a, but, but Detroit is like a, well, actually, it's very similar. Cause I was going to say, like, you know, you might not end the night with those clothes on because you might get jacked for them. Like, I feel like that happens in New York, too. Oh, yeah. um, you will have the nicest, clo- <laughs> the nicest clothes, the nicest car, and you drive back to a, you know, one room home. Like, I just feel like it all, <laughs> we have a lot of parallels when I think yeah. about it. Um, but yeah, so I think that she's just amazing. In New York, because there's too many people for anybody to have enough land to just have one room in a home. So there's like one bedroom with six people in it, but you drive in a nice, nice car. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta prioritize. That's why Atlanta is so hard to keep up with because they have the houses, the cars, and the clothes, and apparently the jobs. And I'm just like, like at least in these other cities, we've all acknowledged that like you're not, we don't expect like have the thing at the party and then go home and mind your business. But like in Atlanta, it's like your whole life has to be this like Ponzi scheme. It's that and the hill. That's why I think Mm. we're going to start seeing not even just Real Housewives. Well, actually, fortunately, shows like on VH1 and WeTV do show more pedestrian, quote unquote, people. But like, Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 like we're going to have a lot more fraud cases because it's so expensive (laughs) to be a housewife. (laughs) Yeah, you said that so casually, but like, yeah, like literal fraud, like lying when you don't have to, like is yeah. No, I mean Erica Girardi, literally Mm -hmm. her husband stole the winnings of orphans and widows from Malaysian plane crashes and then also is now pretending to have Alzheimer's so he's not responsible for it. I maybe he's not pretending. He's a maybe he's not pretending but he, he, get, he submitted court documents that said he had Alzheimer's so he couldn't like be held responsible. Wait, for remember it. how Junior Soprano did that and then actually caught Alzheimer's? Wait, time out in real life? No. <laughs> so yeah. hard it was so boring I couldn't get into it I That's thought true. that Meadow when he had to like drive Meadow to college I was just like I can't do this this is too slow for me it's okay you know what I feel like some things are and some things aren't like I don't want to force it because like just the thing I love about Sopranos is how first of all wait now I that love- you say you don't want to force it I want to watch it because usually people try to force stuff oh, yeah. and I force I force stuff on people all the time so well, now that you're like oh I respect your boundaries I was like whoa yeah. what does the Sopranos teach you how are you a person who respects boundaries let me no, go watch the show that's 121 hour yeah. show, like episode so I can't force it if yeah, you could like, push past the wire again I'd kill myself truly <laughs> I'd be like oh my god what am I doing I love that's that show, show but that is where ridiculous I'm like, listen that's a show where I'm like if you use my Hulu do not watch the wire because if I forget where I'm at again I will never be able to finish that show 
<laughs> like um, I know I'm on a halfway point in season four, and if I lose it, I'm not starting over. So I told you what? No, I get it. That's no, it's truly like the um the wire is the one show that I I think I could have the patience for again because 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 um <clears throat> my brother was watching it in real time. You know, everybody got into the wire after it was done. You know, or when it was right. in the fifth season because it had that really long break. But my brother was watching it in real time, so I was like, but my brother has bad taste in TV shows because like for example my brother was like yo Rafa Rafa's my first name mm-hmm. yo Rafa you not watching power and I was like oh okay he's like Rafa it's like the wire but in in, in New York got this review by the wire he means there's a mention of drugs that's drugs exactly right so when Junior told me that power was like the wire so I went to watch Power and it was not like the wire at all. And I was like, okay, this made me reappreciate like um what I watched with the wire because I think what was so special to me about the wire is I don't trust white people to write black people as empathetically and generously as they did. And um and even black writers sometimes don't write us as empathetically or generously as they did well, when we're drug dealers. Yeah. yeah, you know, and so like I was like, oh here are people being kind to drug dealers, but showing them how ruthless they can be or whatever and like not making the takeover of the drug game a thing that seems desirable because like I never rooted for Avon Barksdale I never rooted for Marlo you know what I mean I like only kind of rooted for Stringer because his whole thing was to be mainstream it's Idris it's hard to not I am not attracted to Idris Elba I'm only attracted to Stringer I can't explain it the same way I'm not attracted to Don Dre I'm only attracted to John Hamm. John Hamm is so corny. I don't know what it is. John Hamm want to be a bro so bad. It's like, John, stand there and smoke your cigarettes. All right, it's me. I'm back. I wanted to get take a quick moment to say thank you again. I already told y'all thank you, so okay, enough. Um, now I want to say thank you to my very special guest hosts throughout this season. These people took time out um, that they absolutely did not did not have to and gave some amazing insights and I had a great time recording with them. Wanted to start by saying thank you so much to um, you know my podcast Godmother who. Probably is uh, would be great if I didn't keep linking myself to her. But wanted to thank Laura Marie Shane Hollis for inspiring me to start this show and then for helping me to launch it. Like she is a mensch. Um, please go listen to Sexy Unique Podcast and subscribe to her content and support her. She's going back on tour soon. Please buy tickets. Her and Carrie O'Donnell are an amazing time. Secondly, I wanted to thank Dr. Shady Beauty. I appreciate you so much for coming on despite your very serious medical job. Like you were so much fun to record with and now everywhere we go we see titty slings so thank you for that wanted to shout out to protexter please go follow this man he is an amazing 
content creator. He has his baby line productions. We talked about uh, his production company. We talked about in the bonus episode, but he also can actually rap for a white boy. I'm going to put that endorsement out there. I will say that. Um, and he also is just a really fun friend. So I hope that he and his partner are doing amazing in LA. If you guys see him be very, very nice because it is hard moving out to LA in the middle of the pandemic. Um, wanted to thank you to Maxine, my real life friend. Thank you for coming on and being so wonderful and so fun and I would love to take you out to tea soon to my homie AJ De Jesus um I mean we're gonna work together again for sure I enjoyed so much our episode and connecting and just talking shit so thank you amiga for that I wanted to then go to my other friend Chewy Zarate who is an amazing amazing improviser as I'm sure I talked about in the episode um but also a great friend really patient with me so there will be bonus content coming with Chewy we had a great combo if you want to see more of us just chatting. I do have a little bit of that in this show that I did um, earlier in quarantine called Running Your Mouth, and that is going to be on my YouTube. So follow the links, go to my YouTube, see that conversation with Chewy. Um, next comes my my like I'm, I'm trying to think. I was going to say a phrase that is truly hard to understand if you are not thoroughly black, but I'm just going to say it. Thanks to my ace boom coon, Stephanie Vasquez Fonseca, who I can always call to come back for more content, more bonus episodes. I love you. Thank you for your support. Please go follow them on socials because they are doing amazing things and getting booked. And I want y'all to be day ones for this glow up. Um, thank you to my co-host goddess number 23, who we recorded some truly insanely raw like podcast together when we were doing um thug wives and if you're interested in more of that go to the patreon subscribe now only three dollars like i know like you have it i know you have it you just bought coffee so anyway um thank you so much to goddess 23 i loved working with you and then i wanted to um give a real like mvp trophy if i can right now to sasha stadler who i mean Literally, this lady does not have to put up with my bullshit, and she does. And there's just no other. There's no other way to say thank you for that, Sasha. So, um, not only does Sasha mix these episodes and make me sound amazing, she also, um, she also edited for me. And if you know me, you know I do not sing. So the fact that I just sang is a truly letting you know how much I love Sasha and how hype I am for this fucking episode and this season to be wrapping. So thank you to everyone. And I also want to thank myself. Thank God for waking me up and making me a badass bitch every day. And thank you for listening. Baby, baby. So anyway, let's wrap with talking about Pumpkin and New York's epic fight. So I think the, the overall thing about this segment is that um, New York never got her hands on pumpkin, and I think all of us were upset <laughs> about that. That's the that worst. makes you mad. Because like, New York kind of was like, you know, I'm not going to fight her right now because I might win. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, okay, she well, even asked Flav. She even asked, like, oh wait, so I could go beat her ass, and they're like, no, 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 no. She was <laughs> hype about it. That was her favorite. She was like, thank, she was like, thank you. <laughs> it was about to go. So she was like, all right, bet. When I see her, it's on site. It's always gonna be on site. And so like every time she got a chance, she tried to get to her, but all of a sudden her security, I'm like, let her get her licking. 
see, that's the thing that I'm nervous about, though, mm-hmm. because it's like, on the one hand, it's like, yeah, a white woman spat on me. She's going to get her ass beat every day, every time we see her, right? But then mm-hmm. on the other hand, it's like, do I want New York's, like, experience on reality TV to be shaped by a, quote-unquote, violent response to this white woman? You know what I mean? Like, think about the time that was. That was 2006, maybe? I don't know that she recovers from beating Pumpkin's ass on stage. Right, 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 just to discourage like backlash to uh, beat her ass if you see her in real life, just not on. The yeah, why did this stage. just remind me? Remember how they kept being stories about how Nini was choking Kim Zosiak off camera? <laughs> was there? <laughs> they, <laughs> when they started having their break apart and their beef, it would be like Nini assaulted oh. Kim, but it, but nobody video recorded it, and then they would kind of reference it. Or no, it came up when like remember when Kenya no Kenya Portia got in trouble because she was beating people's ass and King and and Nini was like you gotta stop it's gonna mess your checkup and Portia yeah. was like Nini you've been violent she said wasn't on camera oh, camera yes so and then that was why I was like oh that actually made me angry though because when they when Nini actually did attack someone on camera they didn't show it to us and I was mad I was like this is favorite yeah y'all it's like. Her. It's like a bloodlust. Like, no, I don't want New York's career to have been derailed over this because it wasn't worth it. But, like, I've never been spat on. And I like to believe uh, that I wouldn't fear jail. You know what I mean? Like, I like to believe I would oh, just let it let it I, happen. I'm, I've am i never been in a fight outside of my siblings. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's like pinching your siblings. My brother right. never put hands on me. And, like, pinching my sister kind of thing. We weren't violent in our household. Although my sister is a... My sister is ready to go. TTG, like, you say something, she's ready to go. Um, But, like, in our household, we weren't violent. And so it's not in my nature to respond with violence to my anger or or to express my anger with violence. And so I'm always nervous for the people who do because – Think about all the people whose first expression of anger is violence. They're all in trouble. They're all in trouble. And if you're black, you're in more trouble. And so, like, I don't want I just didn't want that for her. And part of her appeal to me is that she's doing a ratchet, quote unquote, thing bougially and I don't mm-hmm. think beating her ass on the stage is in line with her persona no, you're although right, you're right. she did want to she did want to slap her now it right. that was who she really is but the person that she created I don't want her to jump that far out of character where That's she's like fair. earnestly beating this white woman's ass on the reunion because she yeah. spat on her but what, so as like, opposed in, to like poking at some right, right. white girl you know you know Well, I think what made Pumpkin unforgivable for me was that in addition to that, she ran from her and then hid behind her and called her Mm -hmm. crazy. And I'm like, do you not think you are old and asshole? Yeah, she provoked like and I hate. Okay, I want to be very clear. I hate saying that someone's words can provoke violence because your violence is your behavior and and belongs to you. But if ever I've seen a provocation. (laughs) Yeah. On reality TV. It was that. In addition to the spit, which is technically assault in my book. Absolutely. But like, if New York beat your ass for the stuff that came after that and the spit never happened, I feel like she would have provoked too. 
You know, like yeah, I would have been like, you're provocative. It was very, it, it was like such a Karen moment. It was so Karen. It was like, you did the bad right. thing. You did the bad thing. And then you made it look like the girl is after you. She went so, she suddenly got so white in that moment. It was so fucked up. It was so fucked up. And that's why in our dialogue, and I don't know how much of it will be cut out of, of like talking about like, you know, interracial relationships when you have to be careful about like what you are bringing. Like these behaviors are so ingrained in, I think like the white community. That's why the Karen thing is like as offensive as it is to white women. Like it is it, based on the idea that like before there were cameras, it was like men would be tortured and murdered over this. You know what I mean? Like you cry wolf and like people die behind it. Yeah. And so like, I think that I, that attitude is upsetting. Cause it's like, don't bring that shit into the reality TV, make it one-on-one. Cause now yeah. it feels very black versus yeah. white because you're hiding behind it. You know I what I mean? Yeah. And it was like, and you know, up until that point, New York was getting a villain edit. So it was, it felt like Pumpkin had the, um, back, like production Mm -hmm. had her back for a little bit. But then I I liked that production, but I did like that production, let her stupid confessional go on for as long as they did, because they let it be clear that she was the the provoker. They let it be clear that she didn't know how to explain her behavior away, that she was crying for no reason. I was like, oh, this is the first time if I'm remembering correctly, that I felt like the, the the edit was actually generous to New York. But it took her getting spat on and insulted and being called a man before any of that showed up, which right. I didn't like. No, exactly. Yeah, no, it's very, um, it's very, um, this is what I'm saying. This show triggered me in random ways because their actual yeah. fight was very like annoying and upsetting because it was like it was it, it you can't tell me it's there because of the training comments because of the ongoing fight because pumpkin inflation never had been together it's just like yeah New York should have never had to deal with this well New York should never have had to deal with this and I was thinking about this when I was even looking at the reunion stage I was very surprised that there were so many non-black women in that cast and not right. only did that happen the first season that happened the second and third seasons it was like vh1 had this kind of before vh1 leaned into it being a black network because once love and hip-hop showed up it was the name yes. network right they were like <laughs> dipping their toe into it yeah exactly. yeah but like and you know so it's like VH1 kept insisting upon having a tour guide to blackness, like with a white character. You know the way that like yeah. they'll always shoot horn in in 90s sitcoms, a white kid or a white neighbor on a black show just so white people could could want to watch it. Like okay, that's yeah. what it felt like with the, a pumpkin or a tasty yeah. or whatever. Um, tasty but comes, I, I think. That- I even I even think yeah she's season two but I even think that with Flav the fact that he had this serious ass relationship with a Brigitte publicly yeah and all the black women he's dated we don't know about like I really think they oh. cast this shit for him you know what I mean like I do think well, that his type oh I don't know necessarily because the show like I get why you would perceive it that way but just if I'm remembering because this is like 15 years ago if I'm remembering correctly. It happened that him and Brigitte connected on the surreal life. If my memory is serving me, there might have been a little fetishization on Brigitte's part, but also on Flav's part in the like delighted to be smashing a white woman. But I don't 
think that Brigitte was his taste. I think they were both surprised by their attraction to one another. So I don't think VH1, I, the way that the bachelor is like, Oh, he would like this kind of girl. Mm -hmm. I don't think VH1 without beyond the black girls. I don't think, uh, yeah, I think the outside of the black girls for this show, I don't think that they cared what Flav liked, to be honest. It looks like they didn't care what Flav liked for most of the cast, if you think about it, because it's like all just like interesting characters and they made him keep people around. Like even like the season three girl who took a shit on the floor, Flav did not want to keep that girl in the house. (sighs) She wanted that girl in the house. You know what I'm saying? And then he finally let her go the next episode because he was just like, I can't get it out of my head. And I was like, production let him do that because it was like yeah. no I can't even fuck with her like and so like I was like oh they don't respect what Flay wants to be honest it, I don't get right. that sense so I'm not to like shut down what you're saying but like no no I mean I, that's, I, that's not yeah no it's a better argument for sure because I have no idea <laughs> I'm just yeah I, I, I remember I remember not not being like yay but I remember like being as surprised as it seemed like they were it, the, the show they literally called their show "Strange Love" with Brigitte mm-hmm. and right Clay there, which like which was a second a working the working title was Jungle Fever. No, anyway, shut the fuck I'm up! Talking, oh my god! Oh my god! You scared me so much. You scared me so much. <laughs> but that's what's crazy. You got that's me. translation. <laughs> you got me so bad. That is the translation. But child. also, isn't it crazy? I could believe that that, right. that they did it. Like I was in, I was like in shock, but not surprised. I was like, oh yeah, of course. That's why I believed it. But the shut the fuck up was yeah. just like the audacity. <laughs> no, wow, you got me. Well, you got me. Wow, Ray, thank you so much for helping me to elevate the conversation around this reunion that otherwise would have just been repeating words from women we've forgotten about. So thank you <laughs> for being here. Thank you for indulging me. You guys aren't going to hear it, but I've kept this woman away from her <laughs> life in her family. Five hours. Um, and uh, I'm have it means so much to me that I got to talk about a black show and um, got to talk about a black show to a person who thinks about black people and blackness in the same way that I do so that it wasn't like, bashing these girls it was just like an empathetic conversation and made me feel good to have it because I don't get to have the empathy conversations about the black shows have them about the white shows all the time like you know everyone loves Real Housewives of New York because these women are just living out loud and they're not constrained (laughs) it's like well we don't get our shows recapped and discussed with the same you know delight in their you know So, um, when Ramona, I'm, I'm when good. that bitch came out, like it's reggae, I was like, <laughs> You're dog whistling me right now, you're doing it on purpose. And you are too Carol old to not know. Like, Carol kept being like, Reggae, reggae, like, Ramona, take your ass about you here. So, deliberately, so deliberately yeah. disrespecting a whole genre of black music. Deliberately. For her, it's a joke. And, to, and yeah. it's like a whole island of people like, word? Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, I, um, like, no, I appreciate you. Yeah. No, I appreciate you. I think one, one, you know, this is my finale for this season. So I think I just want to say, like, 
one thing that's been really fun is like I brought a bunch of guests from the improv world and like there's been a lot of diversity and a bunch of really funny people and eat the level of perspective has been so cool because I do find that like with the, especially the women of color on the show or the people of color because some are the non-binary conforming and women of color on the show it's been like the way the the way the conversation goes is because like when you're looking at black art, which is technically is like you're interpreting it, you know what I mean, and you're and you're bringing stuff in, and so I think um yeah I definitely um want people to tune into your show, the cast with flavor of love black art. I had to interrupt you. That made me so happy. You called flavor of love black art. I adore you. That is so it is. Cool. I mean, it's hilarious and it's problematic, but it's great. But so I want people to sh- tune into your black art, which is the cast with oh. Ray and. Jackie's <laughs> um and then you know stay tuned if I can't believe this will be my last episode so if you've been listening to this season thank you so much for the support stay tuned um subscribe to the show check out my website www.chanelcreating.com and then also um check out the patreon because whatever I do next will be started through there um and so Ray the way that we end this show is always with the baby babe so will you do it with me <laughs> are you ready <laughs> I swear to God, this is the last time. I'm so sorry. I just want to wrap up by telling you guys what you can do in between this show and the next show. I will not be returning to do season two of Flavor of Love. Why? Because I am flaved out. Okay, I'm a flaved flatlined. I am flaved flabbergasted. Um, I love Flav. I think he did a lot for the culture. I cannot do the Flavisms anymore. I just, it, it, I started to resent him and I don't want to have that relationship with him. So I'm going to take a break from VH1 and go do some other stuff. I've been working on this improv podcast that I think y'all will love because it's improv from a black woman's perspective. And if you think improv is corny, it's because you've only seen white guys do it. And I really want you to give improv a chance from this girl's brain um also working on some other stuff that's more conversational a little bit more like still funny but a little bit more grounded um i really hope if y'all have liked this that y'all will continue the journey with me so i wanted to tell you where to find me in the meantime you can always email me chanelcreatingchanel.com and tell me what you think about the show i encourage hate mail as well um anything you want to tell me about i would love to interact with y'all i would love to do an advice show one day and that starts with people actually um emailing me so let's start there secondly follow me on the socials at chanel creating on instagram or twitter www.chanelcreating.com you got link tree slash chanel creating like quit playing with me just type in chanel creating and i will be 10 pages down because um unfortunately my name is the same name as a very famous brand name but i'm there so go find me um and stay connected and i just hope to put these shows out for you guys soon enough that we can stay uh stay in the loop so if you really want more content right now please 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 come over to patreon.com slash chanel creating subscribe for only three dollars i said it already you just spent three dollars like i know you gave three dollars to a homeless person this week you can afford three dollars for me um i don't want to get support through guilt but i'm not above anything so 
hopefully if you want to you will subscribe um, for three dollars and if you pay more you'll get some perks and some personalized gifts for me and just more access because I have a lot of trouble with boundaries so anyway thank you all so much stay connected tweet me email me um, just let me know that what you want to hear and what you want to see and look out for me on other shows bitch because I'm not going anywhere all right this has been amazing um, you know if you're home if you're in your car if you are um, having a um, an accidental press of the button and you're listening to this say with me one last time baby baby